Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and I'm joined as ever by Mr. Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek. How are you? Hello, David. All right. Thank you. Good, good. Good, good. Welcome, listeners, to the most comprehensive and well-researched podcast recorded in North London... (laughs) Next door to some teenage girls playing their music fairly loud. I don't know if our listeners can hear that as the recorder is pointed in the opposite direction. We can't really hear it. It's just enough to... Distract. Distract you. (laughs) And slightly ruin your life. Yeah, yeah. And just gradually creeping it over your consciousness slowly more and more until you just have um, overwhelming anger. And all the other things you're angry about sort of mass together, like, you know, when you have a magnet and it attracts all the sort of... Uh, Iron filings. Yeah. To make a beard. Yeah. And, but, one of those things. But, but that with anger. With anger. <laughs> An anger beard. It's all the seeds of anger in your mind united by the dull, thudding base of thoughtless teenagers. That speech will one day be put um, over a beat... In somebody's, uh, somebody's drum and bass single, yeah. Uh, someone will probably do that. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about current releases and some other things we've watched uh, this week. Uh, Marek's been to the cinema, as per usual. Marek's quite quick on the draw, you see. We try to share out the current releases so that we're... I mean, we could both go and see the same film so we can actually discuss it. That would be a strategy, but it just yeah. means that then we have to see twice as many films, you see. It's quite difficult. Um, but I wanted to go see Arrival this week, but oh, Marek went to see it um, faster than me. So um, you went... Arrival. I mean, it was quite quite uh, an interesting publicity campaign of all of those giant Pringles appearing across the world, wasn't it? Is that and what they did for the publicity campaign? <laughs> you know those big stone things? They look like Pringles. <laughs> they look very much like... Or a the... diaphragm. The um, things from Asterix, the obelisk in... Uh, uh, ob- oh, Menia. Yeah, Menia. The Menia. That, the that uh, obelisk carried an Asterix yeah, and obelisk. Yeah. He, he was a Menia salesman, wasn't he? And what, were they, what, do they, what do they mean in Menias? Menias, they're, they're standing stones, so sort of pagan symbols. They there's That's right, buddy. There's, uh, there's fields of them in France from okay. those times. Like, like a crap stone hinge. And if you put uh, four of them together, you make a dolman. How do you know this? I was big into Asterix. 
A dolmen. What does a dolmen do? Oh, it just sits there like all standing stones, but a dolmen's three points then with a flat stone on top. So Stonehenge is a bit like this sort of stuff. What about if you put 12 of them together? Uh, 12 of them? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. A bit like champagne bottle size, isn't it? <laughs> it is a bit. Come Buddy's on, a bit upset about a dog in the background, is he? He is, I'm afraid. So I'm going to have to squish his head. Okay. Yeah, so... Squish your head. Arrival. Arrival. Now, it's the second film in a week to star Amy Adams, right? She's oh, everywhere right now. Yeah. She's like the new Michael Fassbender. That's all that happens. They must take about six months to film each one, so... But then they can sit on them for months until, you know, the correct time to release it. And this is sort of the good, the start of the good film time, isn't it, I suppose? You've got November through to... This is the Oscar You've got your big season. Christmas film that they're hoping everyone will go out and see with their families rather than talk to them. And uh, which Oscar- is Rogue One this year. And then Oscars is late December, January. Yeah. And, so, and around now. And this is mentioned by... So, Arrival, I'll tell you what happens. Aliens arrive. Right. In these odd uh, rectangular blobs at 12 locations across the Earth. It's not... What are those... Lo- uh, are any of those locations in America? Yes, one of them is in America, in Montana, which is the base... Which is where this... So, Amy Adams' linguist brought along to try and communicate with these uh, aliens a bit like Daniel in Stargate who's the uh, one who can read their writing that's the yeah and therefore more sort of more sort of sensitive to feelings and shit yeah you could say that yeah yeah Uh, and her partner is Jeremy Renner oh is he in it so oh. you hate Jeremy Renner, don't you? <laughs> I don't hate him. I just get, every time I he just, comes up, you just think, "Oh, oh Jeremy, Jeremy Renner. Renner." I don't know. I just—he seems like uh, an actor's drunk mate. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's just like he was there at the meetings. Nobody asked who he was, so we got a part. He's sort of the fourth person on every list. <laughs> Where everyone's busy and they go, yeah, well... Yeah. Can Matt Damon do it? No, we no. can't get Matt Damon. What okay. about Matthew McConaughey? He's not available, I'm afraid. Oh, Jeremy Renner. Renner. Oh, it's going to have to be, isn't it? If there weren't as many films, Jeremy Renner would never get work. So we've got <laughs> this odd charisma, but it's not really enough. It was sort of just enough in The Hurt Locker when the script implied that his slight dickishness might be due to hiding a deep inner pain but if the script doesn't have that deep inner pain he's just a dick yeah he is the perfect cross between um, Matt Damon and uh, Jason Bateman okay yep yep if you were to merge those two yeah so you want a sort of comedy-ish person but sort of half act, softer action man yeah you can't get either of those Jeremy is in the middle ground and he's not particularly funny or not particularly good action. No. Poor Jeremy Renner. Poor poor Jimmy Bobo. Anyway, his parts have got a bit nothingy. It's just... Well, I've read... Some people have gone mental for this film, saying it's the best film I've ever seen. I saw on Facebook, which I was unfortunate to read, some people saying they're really moved by it. It's not your normal thriller. It's more about trying to sort of find... Some sort of meaning behind life, really, which is what the aliens are, turns out they're trying to teach us. But someone commented on a, a Facebook thread I read, which I thought was very interesting, that it was very similar to Interstellar. Okay. And it is a bit 
like interstellar where you feel it's dealing with some sort of higher powered knowledge multi-dimensional beings yes and but it's slightly confused so you okay. don't really ever contact is the first of these films, oh really actually, weapons think. in contact I've contact is a, when aliens make contact uh, mm-hmm. with uh, Jodie Foster and uh, it's a it's just about what what they want and what they mean and and who should go to make contact with them and she's adamant it should be her and Matthew McConaughey says but you can't go you don't believe in God and uh, the majority of people on earth believe in some kind of God so you're not the right person and who, who it, that, would you pick, that gets a bit annoying who would you pick <laughs> to go and meet the aliens uh, who would I pick to, Michael Palin Michael Palin yeah, he'd be quite good wouldn't he I think he would be good yeah Michael Palin, and then um, a good new, a news reader. Uh, what, like a, a current one? Well, or? like Kate Aidy would be quite good. She's the old busy ju- reading the news. Kate Aidy is a journalist, and she's retired. Isn't she? Oh, is she retired now. Yeah, Kate Aidy. What about Moira Stewart? She'd be good to meet the aliens. No. <laughs> okay, why not? Where's the music coming from now? Next door. Yeah, they've just put it up a bit. Apologies to that listeners. Um, well. Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner are picked to meet the aliens, and it's mainly terrible choices. It's mainly about Amy Adams and her conflict and her sort of. It's all about time, really, and she's sort of experiencing these things, and you're not sure when they happened or, or, or the story, the narrative, isn't necessarily in the order you think it is. Right. Which is a sort of, not really a spoiler, but that's sort of the the crux of the story. What makes it interesting? Okay. I would say. But this is well produced, well shot, well acted. It's a good film, but really not that much happens in it. I'm not convinced that it's really the plot is more than a short story. I think it's probably based on. I think it's based on a short story. The director's a bloke called Dennis Villeneuve, who. Um, oh, I've heard of him. Yeah, he also directed Cesario, which I thought was very disappointing. Sicario. Um, Sicario, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so did I. I thought, again, incredibly stylistically done, like really good, and the the sort of tension and action holds, but the story itself, I thought, was bollocks. Yeah. Um, I thought it had some serious flaws in it that it's just like your protagonist doesn't do anything, ever. You just feel slightly disappointed in the whole thing. Yes. It's uh, not about the person you're following. The more interesting characters are the other ones. And that's weird. And Prisoners, which I really enjoyed. I thought it was flawed again, though. Yeah. It had some problems with its story. Again, like, really well told, good cast, you know. I think it's the same thing. I think he directs these films that are, they, they give you that same feeling that you often have when you watch films. Like, oh, this is going to be really, really good, but never really yeah. lives up to his expectations. Like a child genius who becomes... A drug addict in later life. I thought Prisoners pulled its punches a bit. Like, really? Yeah. Like when Hugh Jackman. Spoilers here, people. If you've not seen Prisoners, um, where Hugh Jackman does some pretty despicable things from which there is no turning back. You are a man who has done these things. Yeah. And the film sort of excuses him by the end because he was worried about his kid. You know. And it's like, no, no, you can't, you can't, he, he doesn't get his redemption at the end. That is not, you don't get that. 
It seems like it's trying to go, yeah, but it's Hugh Jackman, so let's give him a free pass, yeah? It's almost like you kidnap my kid, you can do anything. Yeah, exactly, yeah. To, to us, to complete strangers, you have no evidence about. Yeah. It's as if, oh, no, so you've, you've um, stolen my sandwiches, I'm allowed to I'm allowed to burn down your house. No, I think you've stolen my sandwiches, so I'm allowed to burn down your house. That's the thing. Well, that's not, what's in the sandwiches? <laughs> well, uh, it's, um, it's uh, sauerkraut and bologna. And how long did they take to make? Uh, it took a good eight to nine minutes to make them. And how hungry was I? Yeah, I mean, pretty damn hungry. And they were the last. That's the last bit of food I had in the, the fridge last, as well. Last bit of food, so we'll yeah. go all the way to the shops to get. And you did write your name on it as well. So really, yeah, yeah. But you don't have any evidence that he took them. So well, but he looks like someone who's eating my sandwich. <laughs> exactly, he does look exactly the type. He's got food round his mouth. Yeah, sauerkraut and bologna. And he's the only person who hasn't gone out for like, for lunch. <laughs> So what would you do? Put him in a box you've built yourself and then just steam him to death? Yeah. I'll teach him. Oh, poor old Hugh Jackman. Um, anyway, Have you going... seen the trailer for Logan? Is Oh, that's the new Wolverine. The thing, last of the Wolverine films. But finally, this one actually looks like it might be good. Because they've, they've pared it all down. It doesn't seem to be part of any continuity with any of the others. It's just him... Uh, as an old man now with his you know scars and everything and Professor X now has Alzheimer's and it's sort of like a small independent action film and they've gone full R rated as well which finally for a character who has metal claws coming out of his hands yeah it's an R-rated film you need to do with that, right? It's I mean, like he's not stroking those uh, guards to sleep. <laughs> I mean, that's not what he's doing in the other films. A bit like the episode of EastEnders. I'm quoting from 25 years ago. Okay. When Dot, who's the old lady, and Ethel, they just had a whole episode of them two reminiscing in the hat. It's nicer, isn't it? It's good. Does Dot have claws that retract from her um, fists? She's got. She's got. She smokes cigarettes. She's and she's got. Um, oh, she gets. She, dyed has, she has three cigarettes that come out of each fist. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we should get back to Arrival. Okay. I still. It's one of those films, much like Interstellar, where you walk out to it and you think oh, it feels like it was good, but I'm not totally convinced that it okay. wasn't just pressing all the buttons that a good filmmaker knows how to make. Yeah, yeah. That like, oh, I'm going to try and make you cry at this thing. I'm going to have this revelation when in those talent contests when they play the the sad music in the background. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Am I sad? Or is, it, <laughs> is it just the music in the background? Yeah. I felt a touch manipulated by the, the filmmaking. Okay. I think it's worth a second watch for me to really tell if it's that good. But I. But the problem being is I don't think there's enough in there. F- if it came on for me to say, "Oh, that I'll watch that." Okay. Again. Okay. Arrival, I give it seven marks. Interesting enough, IMDb, it's got 8.4, and it was currently um, 99th in the top 100 films. No. Yes. But I have to watch it now. Yeah, well, unless it, um, I expect it will drop out. Yeah, there'll be a backlash, won't they? The Arrival backlash. I've started. You've started the backlash? Yeah. The backlash starts here. A quite good film, it's seven. Maybe if you want some meaning to your life, you might give it an eight. All right? All right. I think it's time for this. Um, some people are writing letters, we like reading them out. 
This is a letter from Tyler Rundy um, on the subject of Arrival. He says, Hello, film fan diddlers. Arrival is intelligent sci-fi, beautifully shot with a tight script. My wife and I were quite blown away. The guy next to me couldn't have been more bored, I suppose. Maybe it was you. Um, He was restless like a child waiting in the doctor's office. So I'm sure it's too slow for some but the pace just allowed me to drink drink in every moment. <laughs> it just allowed me to drink. Uh, this is a procedural sci-fi at its best. My, my second 10 out of 10 Tylers of the year. I'll ask you, what do you look for in good science fiction? My favourites are given plenty of time to tease out either a philosophy and or a good monster. Keep watching the films, Tyler. So, uh, different opinion on... Uh, well, slightly, you didn't no, I thought, enjoy I it. thought it was yeah, really yeah. good. Yeah, it was a good film. Uh, what do we look for in good sci-fi? The thing is, there's um, there's quite a few genres I enjoy that you within the sci-fi bracket, you know. I think sci-fi's so huge. Yeah. I mean, some of it is basically so fantastical, it is just fantasy. So space opera, basically. You know, Star Wars is has more in common with Lord of the Rings than it does with, you know... Uh, what's a classic sci-fi film? Blade Runner. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, and then, Alien. Again, it's it's classic horror, really, but just set in the future. It's not really sci-fi in the same mm. in the same regard, well, I, but, I but it's equally brilliant. Um, I, I like ones that have. Uh, they sort of ask a lot more questions, don't they? I think that's the, sci-fi is best. Is sort of almost a, a branch of. Philosophy, I suppose. Yeah, it it explores explores uh, the dark corners of human nature by going, "What if this were possible? Then what would we do?" Yeah, and dystopias and stuff like that. So I really love Blade Runner for that, and things, other famous ones, Logan's Run. You know, that's a really great. That's that's one where the idea just sells the whole film. You've got such a brilliant idea; the whole thing's set up for you. Yeah, yeah. Silent Running, we've talked about recently as well about man's destructive nature, how most people are dicks, basically, is the theme of silent running. Um, What do I look for in a sci-fi? You know what? There is something about just the sheer imagination of it that is great. I mean, yes, at its heart, Blade Runner is sort of a philosophical question of... uh, Existence and would a uh, synthetically created people be allowed the world an existence? The, the but the world, world is what draws you in. You know the visuals of the just that dystopian city landscape and the massive skyscraper and the, the opulence of that uh, penthouse suite that yeah. he goes to visit. Um, and yet, it, the, at the Whaling Yatani Corporation, and yet it is still somehow horrible. Like, you wouldn't really want to live there still, you know. Um, I think sci-fi is a great opportunity for artists to get... I mean, yeah. the famous one is H.R. Geiger and Alien, and he was such a, a massive influence on that Huge. film. And that really sets that apart from the whole monster in space. Well, thing. if you've ever watched the documentary uh, Jodorowsky's Dune about the failed attempt to get Dune made into a film first time around, he was the one who handpicked Geiger as the guy to do the visuals. And... Uh, and it didn't end up getting made, but then lots of other younger directors were like, yeah, that's a good idea, I'll nick him, or I'll mm. nick that, or I'll nick that. Um, really interesting documentary if you've not seen it. But no, you're right. So often in these films, the uh, the storytelling can be bullshit, but the art department often these days don't put a foot wrong. You know, 
It's there's so there's so much good art in the creation of environments and props and costumes and landscapes and and music as well. Yeah, Moon is another one I really liked as well. Yeah, I just think when it's done, it's best when the idea is you can just take a, an abstract idea and put put it into an, an odd world. It can be really fascinating, and that, that's why I sort of enjoy sci-fi. I don't I don't enjoy the uh, the Star Wars sort of fair, you know, just battling monsters and shoot 'em ups as much. Right. I think the alien. I mean, how can you get better than Alien and Aliens? It's hard to. But do Aliens that. is a shoot 'em up. Monster. But that's a brilliant one, though. Yeah. Because you've got the whole. The good thing about that is you've got this whole backstory. Yes. Thanks well, to Alien. Well, I um I am a fan of uh, space opera, but only I'm as I talked about repeatedly on this podcast only when the characters are the the front and centre that is what it's about it's about these characters going through this and who they are and all of that when when they get paid lip service the, these things do bore me mm. um, I've got my tickets to Rogue One which uh, I, I mean I was brought up on Star Wars I will what is Rogue it. One about then? Rogue One is about uh, it's set before Star Wars A New Hope, the original film, uh, but literally uh, bumper to bumper with it. So it is about the rebels stealing the Death Star plans in the first place. So it's a whole new cast of characters, um, apart from Darth Vader will inevitably appear because he's still alive around that time. But it's seems to be from the trailers about the daughter of the man who designed the Death Star. Um Played by uh, what's her name? A brief Felicity history. Jones. Yes, it she's just very, appeared in my mind. A brief history of time she's in. That's it. Um, and she's very good. Yeah. Well, she's she's the new uh, lead in this one. But it, it the visuals look great. I mean, um, they actually go into uh, Gareth Edwards is directing it, and he's to make it feel like it's happening at the same time or very close to the original one they even had to make decisions like oh shit everyone needs sideburns because all of the actors did back then mm. <laughs> so all of their characters have to have longer sideburns than they would in a modern film it's just that's quite fun when that'll, if that'll bring sideburns back in maybe it will I might get a call to be a Gamorrean guard <laughs> a what? Gamorrean guard which were the Gamorrean oh yeah the Jabba's palace yeah <laughs> The one that gets eaten by the Rancor. Hopefully, yeah. You'd be a good Gamorrean guard. Thanks, mate. Or the Rancor Keeper. You know, the guy with his shirt off who weeps when the Rancor gets killed. Oh, I I You you might get both of these. You've done two good auditions. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I'm actually going to be talking about Star Wars in the film I watched. So uh, we'll get on to that. Oh, (laughs) God. Here's another letter. Yep. It's from Martin Schofield. Subject, movies. Well, come to the right Good. place. Hi, David American Buddy. Just wanted to drop you a line to recommend my favourite movie. The 1974 thriller, The Parallax View, starring Warren Beatty. This film is available on Netflix and I think you would really like it. And I'd love to hear your reviews. This film, like the conversation, treats its audience as adults. And one scene, which is almost wordless, will blow you away. It's so intense. Apologies for the shit email. I have two young children and I'm very tired. <laughs> Oh, please could you read this out in the voice of the comedian you secretly think is telling this? I'll just read it out in my <laughs> own voice. voice. Oh, thanks, Martin. <laughs> Who watched the film with Martin? I saw the Paradox View about 
15 years ago. Yeah, I've never seen it. It's it's in that 70s, um, a bit like the conversation, all those sort of conspiracy films. Yeah. Before some network and that thing where, you know, there's a whole some sort of conspiracy of this sort of under some weird world order or something that um, Warren Beatty uh, exposes. It's odd seeing Warren Beatty as he was, you know, he was the really good looking star of, you know, the beautiful man. He was supposed to be the person who that, who that song You're So Vain was about, wasn't he? Oh, is that right? Yeah. Uh, the power I'm just looking up now to remind myself as my brain is adult, adult, yeah. Uh, a presidential candidate is assassinated and um, Warren Beatty, who plays a reporter, thinks that this Parallax Corporation is involved. So, and he finds out lots of, uh, there's a big sort of, um, you know, because it's a bit like the Masons conspiracy that he's going on, but it's really 70s and it's got loads of cool set pieces in it. I can't remember if it was any good or not. I have to watch it again. But at the time, I remember enjoying enjoying it. If you fancy a slice of the seventies? Watch the Parallax for you. All right. All right. See if you like it. All yeah. right. Yeah. Well, um, I watched a film this week as well, and as I briefly mentioned earlier, it does have a sideways connection with Star Wars. Um, it is called Elstree, nineteen seventy six, and this is a Talking Heads documentary, basically about the people who either were extras on the original Star Wars or you never saw their faces. So the guys who... So it basically uh, goes around a guy who played several people in the background, including X-Wing pilots and, uh, you know, uh, medal givers in the medal as ceremony. It, as in one of the parts in the original... One of the seven that take Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, or, he's an extra, so he doesn't speak at all. So okay. he's just in the briefing room, and they, they show you which one he is, and then you see him now. And they talk about their lives. Anyway, um, there's, there's him, there's the stormtrooper who says... Um, uh, these aren't the droids we're looking for. Move along, move along. That guy. There's the guy who plays Boba Fett and David Prowse as well, who was famously the guy who played Darth Vader before they overdubbed him with James Earl Jones. So it's his body in the suit, yeah. and he did all of the lines beforehand. So it's actually a documentary about this tiny part of all of these people's lives, and you learn about their lives, but how hugely influential it has been for the rest of their lives despite the fact they barely did anything you know and it's a really quite sweet documentary to watch and like it's it's really interesting just to see the mundanity of how they can still go to comic cons and stuff and charge 10 15 quid for a signed photo or whatever and this be their main source of income when they were one guy in the background of a shop in mm. Star Wars, you know, and how this still, still to this and day, are, and that's their main job for, for a lot of them. Some of them have get, turned their back on it all, but you know, um, Dave Prowse, for instance, was—he's uh, a really weird-looking uh, boss-eyed Cornish bloke. He's like six four or something, yeah. And he wanted to be Mister Universe, but he was told very early on that his feet were too fucked up. <laughs> He'll never be Mister Universe because they've got bunions and stuff, like. And he is sort of a legend amongst Star Wars fans because he signs signatures, Dave Prowse is Darth Vader. <laughs> and to hear him talk about it, it's it's sort of so beautifully tragic because he describes it as 
well, he is Darth Vader. He played Darth Vader. And he said to George, what are we going to do about all these lines? Because um, I'm wearing the helmet, so they're all muffled. The, ca- the microphone can't hear them. And he said, well, don't worry, we'll be doing uh, ADR afterwards. You know, blah, blah. And George goes back to L.A. And, of course, they've forgotten to do the ADR. So it ended up cheaper getting anyone to voice Darth Vader than actually flying me, Darth Vader, over to L.A., and he he says this like he truly believes really? it. And then you watch... What's his voice like? You watch the clips of him filming these famous scenes, the shots that ended up in the film, and he's like, um, tear this ship apart. I want those plans. And find the princess. I want her alive. And he's just like, it just doesn't work. The idea that they ever thought that this was the voice is clearly a complete nonsense. But to this day... He believes it was just sort of convenient that they got James L. Jones to do it instead. Wow! And you know, and that is his main income is is doing I can understand conventions. That, you know, but the other people. I mean, who are the people who will pay that these people for their signatures? Oh, there's thousands and thousands of them. You know, I need to somehow get them to give me money. <laughs> well, you need to be in a Star Wars film in the background. I need to tap into this. If uh, Gareth Edwards is listening to this. Can I be a man in the background in Star Wars, please? That'd be good. Um, our friend, friend of the show, Tom Bell, is in the background of Force Awakens. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. He got involved in that. He's in the, what's she called? Maz, his uh, tavern thing, playing chess or something. As a monster? You barely see him, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he got the job because he worked on a thing called Wizards vs. Aliens which is a spin-off of Doctor Who on kids' TV that involves him doing full character prostheses stuff. Yeah. So, because they were filming in uh, in Britain, in Pinewood, I think, they got local Londoners who had experience with full character makeup because it's a gruelling day and they didn't yeah. want people who complain, you know. So they just got their, that whole team wholesale brought into Star Wars. Very exciting, to be honest. I mean, yeah. if you're a kid of the 80s and then getting to be in it I mean it's great but no, it's it's quite a sweet little documentary this is it is. on Netflix then or is it um, like... I, I no um, I got it on the BFI player which annoyingly isn't actually available on games consoles yet they've not worked that out so because uh, I watch most of my stuff through my Xbox on Netflix and other streaming services I had to watch this on my computer but the BFI player is actually good it's got lots of more interesting films you know not just the usual sugar-coated fare that were being spoon-fed all the time you know there's actual stuff they've hand-picked so it's well worth a well worth a look but no I thought this was there's there's not a huge amount of of sort of unique footage as in that's sort of what you would be hoping for behind the scenes yeah not much was shot you know but before I it is really interesting just seeing these guys talk about their lives and then you see this same the the footage of the same guy who's um, an extra in uh, uh, in Indiana Jones of the Last Crusade, and then there he is uh, with James Kahn in Rollerball, and you just see him every time, just in these little shots, just in the background. And they talk to the stormtrooper who banged his head on the uh, on the door as well. That he's one of them, and he's now famous as the stormtrooper who banged his head, and people will get his signature because he's the stormtrooper who banged his head. The fact he fucked up is the reason that he is now more famous than some of the other extras. I think that, that, that's a moral to that story. Make sure you really fuck up on all professional <laughs> jobs. That's, that's the moral. And then in 20 years' time, people <laughs> want your autograph. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, but it's interesting, and for Star Wars fans, it's it's truly sort of quite heartwarming because it's none of these guys are famous, you know. Not really. Dave Prowse is the most famous, only because he was. The... Are they all mental? Because all the extras I work with are totally mental. You know what? The most mental actually is uh, the guy who is a proper actor who played. Um, they talked to Greedo as well. The guy who played Greedo. Uh, no, but the one who is the stormtrooper who says these aren't the droids you're looking for, because he's a proper actor. He's appeared in Judge Dredd and stuff like that, and he is genuinely a bit jealous and pissed off that the extras can sit next to him at conventions and get the same amount of money for signatures as he can when he had a line and he was credited. You don't see his face in the film, yeah. but he he seems a bit bitter. But the others, uh, you know, they all seem just sort of nice, lovely guys, really. Just like, yeah, that was part of my life. Yeah. Is it worth watching? Just, if you don't like Star Wars, is this worth watching? There is a human drama in there. It's slight. It's it's a slight, gentle, and yet uh, quite compelling human drama. Just seeing snapshots of people's lives, of all these disparate, different people, and how they got into it, and how weird it was, and what it's done to their life, and how they've moved on afterwards. You know, it it's it's got an anthropological interest as well as just for Star Wars fans. I mean, David, I'd give it six. I think it's 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 not going to blow anyone's mind, but it is quite engaging. Well, well, there you go. Um, that's it for this week. Uh, we're a bit light on letters, so if you'd like to write to us, then go to filmfandango.com and fill out the form there, and we'll get that. Um, also, uh, we do all of this for free, so uh, if you'd like to donate towards our running costs, and to everyone who has, thank you very much for doing so, you can go to filmfandango.com as well and click the donate button. Um, we continue doing this purely because uh, you donate, so thank you very much. Um, we'll be back next week. Will Keep, we? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Keep, Keep watching, watching the films. films. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.